Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, our second summer session here. I'm Jeff Sharon. Eric Lopez, uh, again, we'll be, we'll be hearing from Eric in a little bit, but uh, we wanted to dive right in on our second session because this is a guy who uh, many of us in the UCF sports circle, particularly if you follow UCF basketball, have been following for a while. For my money, the greatest basketball player ever to put on the black and gold uniform, Jermaine Taylor. Uh, Jermaine, of course, you know, the numbers you know, speak for themselves in his uh, collegiate career at UCF. He played at UCF from 2005 to 2009 under Kirk Spiroi. Actually, you know, Kirk wanted to redshirt him a year, but because of injuries, he had to come uh, right back in immediately. And uh, he was an impact player right from the very start. But his second two years at UCF, his junior and senior years, he really stepped it up. He averaged uh, almost 21 points a game as a junior in 2007 to 2008, uh, shot 46% from the field, 37% from, the on beyond, from beyond the arc, and 79% at the line. But his senior year, 08 09, you know, I remember coming into that season, the anticipation surrounding him, and then he exceeded the hype, averaging 26 points a game five rebounds, two assists, a steal and a half, and almost a block per game. He just did it all. He uh, had a couple of, uh, he had several 30-plus point games. He had one 40-point game uh, as well. Uh, He shot 48% from the field, uh, 38% from the arc, 81% from the line, and, uh, and he just put on a show. And we saw the crowds as the year went by, um, getting larger and larger and larger just for people to come out and see Jermaine because he was really something special. He finished as UCF's all-time leader in Division One scoring. Uh, he finished with uh, 10 30-point games, 23 20-point games. Uh, he was first-team uh, All-Conference USA in 2009, Conference USA Player of the Year in 2009, an honorable mention All-American by the Associated Press. And for those efforts, he found himself in the pool for the NBA draft, and justifiably so. Uh, he was picked with the 32nd overall pick in the 2009 NBA draft by the Washington Wizards. And it's worth taking a look at who else went in the 2009 NBA draft. What a draft class this was. Blake Griffin, James Harden, Ricky Rubio, Steph Curry went seventh overall in that draft. DeMar DeRozan of the Toronto Raptors, Drew Holiday, Jeff Teague, Darren Collison, a number of players. Taj Gibson, Damari Carroll went in that draft. Um, A number of players that went through, and Jermaine Taylor was picked 32nd in the in the second round, early in the second round, by Washington. Then he was immediately traded to the Houston Rockets for cash considerations. Um, he kind of bounced around the D League, but uh, got his shot with the Rockets. Um, got called up in February of 2010 um, from the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, um, and uh, and got his first NBA run in 20 in 2009 2010. Um, the Rockets then sent him to Sacramento, where he was for two seasons, 2010-2011. Uh, uh, and then in 2013, uh, he, now he kind of bounced around a little bit. Uh, he was waived by the Kings at the end of the 2010-2011 season, signed briefly with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then he kind of went on a little bit of a, uh, a, 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 he went around 
you know, basically playing internationally for a while. Uh, he played uh, in Spain. He played in Tel Aviv, Israel. He played in China. Uh, but then he came back to the United States in 2013, late in, uh, late in the 2012-2013 season, after being acquired by the Maine Red Claws. Um, he, uh, you know, and again, you know, just like we saw uh, in his uh, time in the NBA with the Rockets and with the Kings um, and in the D-League, when Jermaine Taylor comes on the floor, he's going to score buckets. And he scored buckets in droves uh, in his um, D-League stint with the Red Claws. Um, he reported to the Cavs for training camp. It didn't work out there. The Red Claws took him back in 2013. Uh, and then in November um, of 2013, he suffered a de- really devastating knee injury. And uh, there were some questions about whether or not Jermaine would come back. Uh, would, be able to, would he be able to be the Jermaine that we all knew and loved from our uh, UCF days? Well, if there's one thing we can do, we know for sure, it's never to count out Jermaine Taylor because he basically went on this boot camp rehab and fought his way back into the NBA D-League in 2014 uh, with the Red Claws, um, finished off the season um, at, er, at, in the 2014-2015 season. He landed in Idaho with the uh, Idaho Stampede in the D-League um, after a trade and, uh, and finished the season, the season successfully uh, with Idaho. It should be noted that when Jermaine was in Maine um, with the Red Claws, that team was um, the affiliate of the Boston Celtics. So it's the Celtics who basically sent him over to the um, Idaho Stampede, which at that time was the uh, affiliate of the of the Utah Jazz in the NBA D League. They then switched their affiliation, or rather, the team relocated from Idaho. Uh, from Boise, Idaho, to Salt Lake City, where they became the Salt Lake City Stars, and that's where Jermaine was uh, this past season. Last year, with uh, Salt Lake City, Jermaine averaged uh, 14.2 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists, uh, and shot shot 46% from the field in about 25 minutes per game. He played 45 games for Salt Lake City, which was actually uh, tied for second on the team, uh, behind uh, Marcus Page and Sundiata Gaines. Uh, and this is a team that, you know, Utah has quite a bit of, uh, uh, of um, talent in their, uh, in what's now the G League, because Gatorade bought the sponsorship to the D League, so they're calling it the G League now. But, um, you know, guys like Brandon Trish, who played at Syracuse. I mentioned Sundiata Gaines, who um, has gone back and forth between the big club and the, and the uh, G League club for uh, a number of years now. Um, guys like Marcus Page are out there as well. But for his career in the D-League, Jermaine has played uh, eight seasons in the league. He's averaging 14.2 points, 3.2 rebounds, an assist and a half. Uh, his best season uh, in the G-League was in uh, 2013 with Maine. We averaged 24.4 points uh, per game. But even after the injury, has consistently scored in double figures uh, and his average is actually going up from uh, each year since the injury happened. So the thing that struck me the most about Jermaine and speaking to him is, you know, it, it sounds cliche to say that there are guys who just love the game. But Jermaine still to this day just can't get enough of it. He cannot get enough of basketball. And, you know, for someone who has, you know, the – the incredible God-given talent that he has had to also have that work ethic 
that's gone into it is um, is really something remarkable. And you know, I I do follow you know what goes on in the G League, and every once in a while, you know, this past year, you know, you'd see a Jermaine Taylor highlight reel pop up on YouTube, and that explosiveness is still there. But the thing that's amazing that's and and it's fun to see in those highlights is, you know, you'll look and you'll see um, that veteran savvy now that Jermaine has. Um, you know, I can remember, you know, sitting underneath that basket, watching him fly for, you know, through the air for dunks that usually landed on my head. And I was just trying to make sure that I didn't that he didn't land on top of me and turn an ankle or something. And then our whole season would have been toast because of my stupid klutziness but um you, you know it, you could see that he was a guy who was just head and shoulders talent more talented than everyone else out there on the floor i mean it was just obvious i mean he was he was a cheat code out there <laughs> you know if you could think of like a guy that's like if you could do the konami code in real life like you'd get Jermaine taylor if you were ucf and um uh and to see that that talent now fused with you know the experience that he has from playing. You know, not just here in the states, in the you know, in in a couple teams, different systems, but you know, also overseas in places like Israel. And he talks about the time that he had in New Zealand, which he really enjoyed. Um, you know, you play that much basketball for a living, and you're going to pick up on some things. And um, and so now we're in the NBA off season. Free agency is uh, uh, is upon us. And Jermaine, once again, is uh, looking for an opportunity to prove himself um, to the NBA crowd, um, to give him uh, another shot at, at a big club. I could think of a few, and particularly one <laughs> relatively nearby, who could use uh, his level of scoring. But uh, Eric and I reached out to him, and uh, he gave us a call. And uh, he's actually, uh, when we reached out, when we heard from him, it was right before the uh, 4th of July holiday, uh, he was back home uh, in Tavares, getting ready for the off season, working out hard, uh, going back back and forth. Actually, he told us um, between uh, home back in Tavares and uh, UCF's gym to stay in shape for the uh, NBA off season, and just waiting to see how things play out. You know, he's still in very good shape, and we know about his scoring ability and the resume that he's built up. So, without further ado, here are Eric and myself, and number one, Jermaine Taylor. How are you, JT? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for um, taking time for us out of your summer. Uh, I know we. I know you said right now you're back home in Tavares, right? And you're working out uh, yep. at UCF. How are things going? How are you feeling? Yep. Uh, things are going real good. Uh, I'm happy to be back. You know, uh, I was injured, you know, a few years ago now, and things are now finally, you know, back to normal. Uh, I don't have any uh, more injuries, so now I'm just happy to be back playing, you know, back dunking and just being back to playing the way I used to play. So we, everything's going real good for me. We saw you this year with the um, with the Salt, uh, the Salt Lake Stars, who are the uh, D-League affiliate of the Utah Jazz. And, yep. you know, we remember, you know, back, you know, when you were coming back off that knee injury that you suffered when you were out in mm-hmm. Maine. And... Yep. And and we were like, I mean, I can remember looking at me. Oh my God! I hope he, can, I, I hope he still has the explosiveness. And you, yep. and from what we were seeing, you still got it. Tell us about the road back and this past year out in Utah and and just working out the kinks after that injury. Well, it was tough. Uh, you know, I came back early. I came back in maybe seven months, and I played. Uh, 
with Maine at first, and then I was traded to Idaho Stampede, which is now uh, Utah Jazz uh, the Stars. And then I went to uh, New Zealand, and you know that season was the first time in my life uh, you know, people weren't happy with my performance, and it was because I wasn't explosive. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the JT if I remember from college and you know my first years in the pro because of the injury. So I never wanted to feel like that again. So I told myself I wasn't going to play until I'm back, you know, all the way healthy. So I took uh, last season, the following season off, and I just rehab and worked out and gained just a whole lot of knowledge, of, you know, how to, to maintain my body better and just how to, you know, uh, work out smarter. You know, that was really one of the, big, the biggest things that I learned uh, following summer. And everything, I mean, it showed this season, uh, I believe if I would have, play for a different team, I probably had my best year as a, a pro. You know, I averaged 14 points in only 22, 23 minutes. And I was doing things that I've never done just because of how, you know, my body is and, you know, just feeling the, the you know, the hard work that I put in, you know, the following summer. What was the biggest thing you learned? You mentioned that, you know, you as you were recovering, uh, you said that helped you be, be a better basketball player. Uh, what, what, what was yeah. it that you kind of learned on it? Uh, tons of things. Um, I changed my diet, uh, started eating a lot of, uh, fruits and vegetables and just a lot of things from nature. You know what I mean? Uh, I started training different. I started doing a thing called cryotherapy. Uh, it's like you get like in a cold tank, like a freezing tank and it, it, it helps heal your body. I started doing, uh, three deep tissue massages a week. I was doing, uh, oxygen therapy. I was doing everything, you know, everything just to, you know, get my body and tip tape, uh, you know, the best shape that I could possibly be in. And I felt good, you know, the, the season, like I said. You're in your 30s now. What's the biggest difference yep. in in you as a basketball player between your 20s and now in your 30s? Uh, there's a big difference. Like, I'm a lot, uh, I'm a lot smarter now. Um, just, like, being 30, I'm in my prime now. I feel like the guys that I'm competing against are either too young and they don't have enough experience or they're too old and they're not quick enough. You know, they, they're not explosive enough. So I feel like I'm in the best, you know, it's just the best time in my life as a basketball player. And a lot of it is just the maturity and just where I am now mentally. What advice would you give someone like, for example, Matt Williams, who is currently going yep. through summer league, UCF zone, what advice would you give to guys like him as far as trying to get their opportunities? Uh, my, you know, my advice to him, which I talked to him, I actually talked to him um, a couple of days ago, and my advice with him was really just to enjoy the whole thing, you know, enjoy the whole process because I believe that the teams in the NBA they already know if they're going to keep the guys or not. You know, I mean, it's a it's a business. So I believe that they already come into this business with the idea of who they're keeping and who they're not. So I don't believe that there's too much Matt can do if they like him. You know, I believe they're already going to keep him if they don't like him. You know, that's what it's going to be. So I really just told him just to enjoy the experience and to go out there and leave everything that you have out there. Because there are some teams that are looking for players. You know, and if you go out there and you outperform guys and you just give it all and you show teams something that they didn't know, that you had, I mean, you can do nothing but you know benefit you. I remember when you were drafted. Uh, we were out at that restaurant over by that lake. Mm -hmm. What's the name of that restaurant where we had your draft party? 
JJ Finn. Jay, that's right. And we had. Yeah. I remember when you we, when your name got called initially by the uh, by the Washington Wizards, and then yeah. as I was driving home from from that, <laughs> we find out that you get traded to the Houston Rockets, and so you step on the yeah. floor a couple months later for the first time as a Houston Rocket. Tell us for those of us who for for those of us mere mortals who've never experienced this. What, what what was it like stepping on the stepping on an NBA court for the first time after the four years that you played at UCF? What was that moment like? Uh, it was definitely a dream come true, you know, because from a young age, you know, anytime anyone asks me what do you want to be when you grow up, I've always said an NBA player. And when I was drafted, you know, I kind of, I mean, I kind of got it, but I didn't really understand it. It really didn't hit me until I got to Houston. And then I started working out. I was like, oh, I'm really here. But when you step on that, that court for the first game, the atmosphere, and you just see everything, it was, it was, I mean, it was like watching your dreams come true like, and seeing it. You know, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain. You know, it's something that you've always dreamed about as a kid, and now you're living this dream. So that was, it was like I said, it was a dream come true. I remember the draft night. I was there, too, with Jeff, and that was wild. Uh do you remember, obviously, when your name got announced, obviously, what went through your mind? And then when did you find out you were getting traded? Because, I mean, did you – was it minutes later? Did you – I mean, how does that all work? Yeah, well, I eventually thought that I was going to Cleveland. So I thought that I was going to be the last pick of the first round. So I was, uh, you know, like uh, expecting – Cleveland to pick me and everyone at the party was also because when Cleveland picked they end up turning the uh, the lights down they put the camera on me and then they pick someone else so I was like oh man so then uh, I think it was the next pick my uncle walked up to me he was like he was like they're about to uh, call your name so when he said that the camera guy heard him or someone else heard him and they turned the lights off again because they thought that you know it was actually going to happen so I was like oh man my uncle just set me up to a disaster <laughs> but then they actually called my name so I was like well, so they called my name you know everyone's yelling like I said it really didn't hit me right away it kind of took some some time for me to really understand you know just what was going on and then uh you know I was expecting I was thinking uh Washington like that's what my mom was I was like I don't understand why Washington I don't even remember having a good workout for them and then uh my agent called me he was like uh He's been traded to Houston, like so. That's where he's going. Like they paid for the trade, and uh, the Wizards picked you for the Rockets, so you're going there right away. And like, oh man! But I was happy either way. I was just happy just to be, you know, drafted. As a as a player, what is when you're out there on the floor? What is the biggest difference between college competition and NBA level competition? Uh, NBA, there's definitely a lot more space. There's definitely a lot more space. And in the NBA, everyone's an NBA player. You know, everyone's athletic. Everyone's fast. Everyone can jump. Everyone. So the level of competition is just on a whole other level. So that was really something. And it actually came easier for me just because there was so much space. And, you know, because I never really had to worry about the guy guarding me. It was always the second defender. And because there was so much space, it made it harder for the second defender to get to me. So, you know, I really, you know, thought it was easy in the NBA. You, uh, in 2010, 2011, 
the <laughs> Rockets moved you to Sacramento, and you got yourself some run. You got, uh, you know, I'm looking back at that year, that, that year's totals in Sacramento, 26 games, eight of them starts. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. you had you, you averaged seven point one a game, but you had several games where you were in double figures. What was it like? You know, it, it's one thing you know when you have a guy who comes out that you see and and you know and and you know maybe picks up some garbage time, but you were getting some serious minutes out there. What was uh, explain that environment to us and how you know all of a sudden you're going up against guys like Kobe. You know, you're seeing a couple yep. of other guys that are out there, and you're like, wow, this. You know, what is that? It's hard for me to articulate yeah. a question about that. What is that like? I mean, it was it was where I always felt I should be. Like when I first got in the NBA, like the things that I was doing at practices and just you know the, how much more athletic I was than, than other guards who play in my position. I knew that I could you know play in this game, and I know myself. I know my game. I know what type of player I am. So I knew I would excel at this game when given the opportunity. So every time that I got on the court, my whole thing was to show people that. This is my game. This is how I play. And if you give me the opportunity, I can do this for you every night. But because of how the NBA is, I was never really allowed to show my game, you know, because I was always told it's a numbers game. And it's not the right situation. And even me playing at Sacramento, the only reason why I played was because Tyreek Evans got hurt. So once he got hurt my first game, I had 17. Game after that, I had 13. And I only played 20 minutes. The game after that was my best game in the NBA. And uh, I had 21 against the Magic, and I set out the whole fourth. And the game after that, they brought another player in, and then Tyreek Evans got hurt, and I went back to the bench. So even though I was producing and I was doing everything that I could possibly do because of the politics and, and you know, guys getting back healthy, I went back to the bench and I didn't play anymore. So for the time that I was out there, you know, I definitely enjoyed it. I definitely saw, like, this is, you know, I can do this. But, I mean, unfortunately, just the way things are, I wasn't able to. I think I remember that game against uh, against Orlando, and yep. we were <laughs> – I, I can remember watching that game saying, oh, my God, this is – there he is. He's out there. He, he scored 21 mm-hmm. points. We're like, that's the Jermaine we know. And, you know, yep. and, and it would have been – I think that a lesser guy would have, you know, when you talk about the politics of it, would have just said, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this isn't for me. But you are still, you you still fought out there, yeah. night in and night out. You you got a you got another shot in the D League with the main red claws, and, mm-hmm. and and again, you know, we see we were seeing each time out there when we saw the highlights how explosive you were out there. the 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 D League guys that are out there, tell us how different about that environment is because it's a lot of guys like you who are out there scrapping and fighting for. That mm-hmm. NBA job, right? Yep. And and that's the grind of the D League. That's what a lot of people don't understand. That's why it's hard to play in the D League because there's a lot of guys who all have the mindset, the same mindset. I'm trying to set myself up for next year. I'm trying to get NBA. I'm trying to get overseas. So everybody's trying to show what they can do. And, you know, because they're young and because they're unexperienced, everyone's not doing it the right way. Some guys think I have to score, I have to score, I have to do this, I have to do this. So some teams, you know, a lot of the guys, they're not playing together. So it makes it hard for a person to really show what they can do. But sometimes you get on a good team with just a lot of unselfish players, and those usually are the best team. But the D-League, it's, it's a grind because just like you say, there's a lot of guys who believe that they should be 
on another level, and they're trying to get there. You played in, if I'm not mistaken, I think the count was seven different countries on four different continents. Of all the places mm-hmm. outside the United States you played, what was your favorite and why? Uh, my favorite, you know, no doubt was New Zealand. Like New Zealand, just because like I really love to take pictures, and uh, it's just a beautiful country. It's one of the only countries, or it's one of the only places that I've been where I was able to take a picture and get the mountains, the oceans, hills, like everything all in one picture. And that was like that was big for me. And I also went well watching out there, so things like that. That was like a life changing experience, also. So, and then the people are real, are real friendly. Like I met some people out there who I'll be friends with for the rest of my life. So, you know, New Zealand, hands down, was one of the best experiences that I had playing ball overseas. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right. Thanks again, Andrew and Trace. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast Summer Sessions. Let's continue our conversation with Jermaine Taylor. When you think of your UCF career, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Uh, my UCF career, definitely the best four years of my life. Definitely. Uh, not even just because of basketball, but everything else. You know, just the people that I met, you know, uh, just the good times, the memories that I have, along with the basketball memories. You know, you know Dave Noel and, and Lavelle Payne and John Stuff, those guys are my friends to this day. I still talk to them. Like, we talked to Lavelle earlier today, talked to Dave yesterday. And, you know, just, just you know, some of the people that I met, uh, like I said, I, I, the connection that I have there, and just even now, like, I'm still able to, to go train there, uh, even though there's, there's been two different coaches that have coached since I've been there. They still show me the same love and respect that it's, they coach me. And, you know, that's, that's always big. I always feel welcome at UCF. So, I mean, it's definitely, you know, something, a, a blessing for me. It was definitely a blessing. What did you think? What did you think of the right? Which I was going to say what Jeff was going to ask is, what did you think of this past year with the Johnny Dawkins, his first year? Team makes yeah. a run to the NIT Final Four, and your thoughts on Coach yeah. Dawkins, former NBA player himself? Oh man, he, he's doing a great job with him. Uh, I was actually up there all summer, uh, last summer, and I got to you know be around the team. I got to be around the guys. Uh, played open gym with them. Uh, played open gym with the coaches. I was up there a lot with them, and uh, you know I really got to to know uh, Coach, and, and man, he's just a great guy. And the, and the guys love him. You know, like the players, they really love him, and that's something that was definitely big. You know, with me, because I believe that if you're playing for someone that you're not happy, you know, playing for, and how can you be a good team? You know, what I mean, how can you enjoy that college experience? And you know, so you know, just just the whole vibe and just everything about UCF basketball now is just is different. 
did Johnny talk to you about uh, about your career as a pro too, and just j- try to give you some advice from you know his time in the league? Yeah, he he did. He uh, you know he uh, he even called uh, you know Utah Jazz and, and talked to uh, Coach Quinn for me. You know, just put in a, uh, some good words for me. And uh, yeah, you know, like we, we both shared uh, stories and talked about our experience. You know, so. And that's the thing. I mean, the NBA, there's it's so there's so much talent in basketball that, you know, and you've mentioned it, and I agree with it. It's about being in the right situation. I think of a young man like Hassan Whiteside, who, you know, from yeah. obviously started off in Sacramento, and he had to go through different places. And then he found a perfect fit in Miami. Uh, Yogi Ferro uh, brought up to Dallas, and he showed that he could play. It's all really the, the the separation in talent is not that much. It's just really landing on the right opportunity, really. That could be the difference, isn't it? That's that's all it is. That's all it's ever been. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, Hassan Whiteside, he just didn't become that. He's been that. You know, I played with him at Sacramento. I played with him, you know, in college. Same thing with Jeremy Lane. Like, those players, they've been those players. It's just the way the NBA is. It's hard for guys to, to get a chance. You know, uh but when they get opportunity, even even my situation, like I never really played even until like the last you know two minutes of the game. They put me in garbage minutes, and in two minutes I would have eight eight points. I would have you know ten points in two minutes. So it's, it's not that I can't play. It's just you know when you have a guy like Shane Battier who's been there for years, and Tracy McGrady who's been there for years, and you have these guys who are getting paid millions. Why are you going to play before them? You know, you're a rookie, you just got drafted. So it's more like you have to sit down, wait your turn, wait for certain things to happen. You know, it's really not, which is sad to me, you know, because I'm a basketball fan. I love the game, and it's hard for me to have to go through what I've gone through only because of, you know, business side, business thing. You know what I mean? Like, I really believe that I could have been a superstar in this league if given the opportunity because that's what I've been my whole life. If you go down my resume, college, high school, middle school, AAU, I've always been the same type of player. And I showed those same signs with my chances that I got in the NBA. But because of how the league is, I never really got to just really show what I can do. And it's not just me. There's a lot of players like that. There's a lot of players who go through the same thing that I've gone through. Yeah. We've seen you time and time again. You know, every time you step on the floor, points are going to be scored and probably in a hurry, yeah. too. And, you know, right now we're in the off season. What is we're coming up on free agency. What is the latest on your situation right now? What are you looking forward to? Where should we look out uh, for with you in the next uh, coming days and weeks? Yeah, that's tough. I wish you would ask me this maybe in two days because <laughs> I'm actually meeting, meeting up. I, I signed with a new agent uh, about a week ago. And he was just able to start working with me uh, earlier this week. So he's reached out to teams all this week, and uh, me and him are going to sit down tomorrow, and he's just going to give me the feedback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the plan is to just see, you know, you know what we hear. Any team interested, you know, who's more interested, if not, then I explore my options overseas. You know, the NBA is always the ultimate goal, but I'm 30 now. You know what I mean? Like, so now I have to look at it. I set myself up, you know, in the long term. So if, you know, nothing's going off with the NBA, then that's fine. And now it's time for me to take my talents overseas and, you know, and, and try to, you know, explore what I have over there, you know, from the start. Because I've never played a 
whole season overseas. It's always at the end of the season when they're uh, trying to make the playoff run or, or something like that. It's never been I've ever started off with the team. We've uh, we talked to you about you know your UCF time and 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 Eric asked you you know that, that you know was the one thing that you remember. I just want to ask you what if I could put you back in one game in your UCF career that you remember the most fondly for your performance, what game would that be? Um, definitely had to be, uh, I think, senior night. We were playing, uh, what's it, East Carolina? East Carolina, yeah. It was a game, yeah, it was a game where I scored 36. It was because, like, my whole family was there. Like, you know, some of my, my family who never seen me play in a college game who never knew that I was, like, the – the type of player that I was at UCF, you know, some of those, some of them were at the game and, you know, at halftime, I think I had like six points or something like that. And then at the end of the game, I had 36. So, you know, that was, was, that was big for me. Like even my uncle asked me, like, I looked up and yeah, like four points and all of a sudden almost at 40. So, so that rather, that was big for me. That was a 74, 71 win. Uh, And, uh, and I remember, I remember that, night fondly and i think we were down like uh if i'm not mistaken we were yep. probably down double digits late and then yeah. we were we were at a point that year where we were just expecting that late game run when you mm-hmm. would just take over a game and you did in yep. that game i i you know i it's funny because i i grew up a michael jordan fan as 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 did i guess all of us around this age mm-hmm. and and we would, and I would remember watching on, you know, TNT or whatnot. You knew that there was a point where Michael would just take over mm-hmm. a game and get into the zone. And I remember watching you. You have, you had then, and I think still do to this. Have that, whatever that thing is, where you can put yourself in the zone when you need to. What is? Describe yep. the zone for us. Take us there. Take us there when you're making buckets, hand over fist. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? And what are you feeling when you're when you have the ball in your hands like that? And, and what you're saying, everything you just said, is why I believe like I would have been a, a special player in the league because I have like this it's, it's, it's a zone, like it's a certain zone that I go into. I also I did it a few times, you know, this season. Yeah, you know, where I went off, and I had ten straight buckets. No one else is scoring but me. Ten straight buckets. And what that is is just like that's when I get to a point to where I feel unstoppable. Like I know everyone who's guarding me, like they're picking up my vibe. It's just the way I'm moving. Everything just feels like it's in flow. It just feels like I don't know if it's, it sounds weird, but I just feel like in one with everything, just the flow of the whole game. And then when I get on that level, like I'm, I'm really hard to stop because that's something that I've had my whole life, and I feed off of the energy of the crowd also. But that's something that it just like it, it usually happens after a dunk. If I get a dunk, then anything can happen. Like I could blow up for 10 straight, 12 straight points, threes, layups, turn around every which way. And that's just the type of player I've been because I've always been a scorer my whole life. So I've always had the other team try to design their defense to stop me. So I've faced so many different defenses that I had to develop different ways to score. And and that's just been my whole life. So as I got older and older and older, and it kept happening and happening and happening, that's when my game just took a whole other level when it comes to scoring. You averaged 26 points a game your last year, third in the nation. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure a few NBA teams could use some scoring, uh, Jeff. Wouldn't you agree? The heck, there might be a certain team in you know near where Jermaine wa- uh, was from that might need some score. But well, that's a whole other uh, story there. But what ke- what kept your passion to play? Because I you know you've been you you know Jeff mentioned all the places you've played. You still I can tell in your voice you still have the same passion for basketball that you did when you were at UCF, don't you? Oh yes, this is it is it, it's never going away. And that's why I'm still playing because I've always loved the game. Like from a young age, like as soon as I put a basketball in my hand, even now when I'm walking, like I'll be walking down the halls and I'm dribbling a fake basketball. Or if my family is at the court playing and I walk up to the court, like I'll pick up the ball and it's hard for me to even stop. Like while they're playing, I'm on one end of the court, just shooting around. Just got a shower. I don't even want to be sweaty, but now I'm sweaty because I can't stop shooting the ball. You know, and that's just, that's how I've always been. Like, I just, I love it with everything that I have. And I believe that's why I've gotten to where, where I've been and everything that I've, I've, you know, every place that I've gone, every level that I've played at, I carry that over. And that's why I'm able to be successful and score the way I am and do the things I do because I just love the game. Even if I wasn't, like, my I turned my life into basketball. Like, I have nothing to train for. Like, like last summer, I had nothing to train for. I had no job offers anything coming but I still like I don't feel it if I don't go to the gym and shoot and play after two days if I go two days without touching the basketball I feel sick like I don't don't feel it it's an addiction right it is yeah I tell you and it's it's like therapy also because when I'm going through things sometimes like I go on the basketball court and it goes away I don't think about it until I walk off the court well, I know we've, um, you know, throughout the years, it's always been fun to see you out there, you know, continuing to work hard and continuing to work on that passion. And, you know, a lot of us over here in your UCF family, we still know, you know, we know what it, we know, what, we know the extraordinary ability that you still have and we still, and we'll always believe in you. And we know that uh, there's going to be some good things coming around the corner. So tell, uh, everyone out here in UCF land, how we can stay in touch with you and keep track of you as, uh, as the off season and the 2017, 2018 basketball season gets started. Uh, I mean, it's really going to have to, <laughs> I'd have to be, I guess through you guys or any of the other interviews I do. I'm really not on social media networks or anything like that, uh, too much. Uh, so I really, I mean, I can definitely stay in touch with you guys and, uh, you know, everyone else in the Orlando area just to let them know what I'm doing. And, you know, once I, I sign with the team or figure out where I'm going, I'll definitely hit you up and let you know. And, you know spread it that way. Sounds good, man. Hey, we appreciate you taking time for us. I know you're busy. I know you've got, you got workouts you still got to do, but we love you. We miss you. I know you're not that far away, but here's to a successful off season. We'll be seeing you a little bit down the road, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys having me. I hope all is well with you guys. Thanks again to Jermaine for um, giving us the time. And, uh, you know, we know how busy his schedule is. And uh, it was really, really kind of him to uh, spend some time with us and to give us an update on him. And um, you can tell how much he still loves UCF and um, and how much this uh, and how much UCF means to him and his time at UCF it meant to him. And you can tell still to this day, you know, that that fire that he has that uh that competitiveness that desire to want to 
uh, prove himself once again at the age of 31 now that he belongs in the NBA. Of course, I think he does. I think there are some teams that could use his help, um, you know, across this uh, across the league, not just uh, in Orlando. And we'll be following him uh, throughout the offseason and into next season to, and giving you updates here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast as to uh, where Jermaine is and uh, what's the latest news with him. So uh, that'll do it for our second summer session here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We got another treat coming for you here on our next uh, summer session. And we're going to keep it with the NBA and talk with uh, another UCF player who's trying to make it uh, in the NBA as well, Matt Williams joins Eric Lopez from the NBA Summer League. That's on our next Black and Gold Banneret Summer Session. Again, don't forget to follow us on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Look us up on Facebook as well. Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric Lopez at Eric Lopez Elo. You can follow Jermaine Taylor as well at JTaylor8Ball on Twitter. Uh, and you can also subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends to leave us a rating on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. So for all of us here at blackandgoldbanneret.com, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thanks for listening to our summer session with Jermaine Taylor. Matt Williams is coming up on our next summer session here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.